Welcome to the So You Want to Publish a Book podcast from the Small Tooth Dog Publishing Group. Here's your host, Sean Buvala. That was good. Hey folks, it's Sean Buvala. I'm so glad you're here. Founder of CD Baby. There he is right there. Um, yes, you are in San Diego. That's good, Mark. 40 Lessons for a New Kind of Entrepreneur. Yeah, pick this up. Every one of you, pick this up. Get it from your library, however it is that you encounter books in the world. Yeah. Short reads. Um, oh, look, I'm actually using a real bookmark this week from one of our real bookmarks, of which I have, and without a lie, 100,000 bookmarks in my house right now. Anyway, so they're all short reads like this. Little short. They're short paragraph type things. You can just digest them. And then, you know, let them, let them. And so we're going to come back to this in just a little bit. Scott says that he's here. Scott says that he's present. That's good. Because if you want to get an A, Dr. Strassel, you have to know that attendance is 30% of the class. 30% of your grade. <laughs> good. All right, brothers and sisters. Thank you, folks of all types. Thank you for being here today. Um, so I want to talk about something that I've seen a lot of lately. And I wrote about it earlier this week on my Facebook page. If you didn't see the thing that I wrote about scheduling and boundaries and stuff like that, um, you can go back and read that if you want. And then I said I would talk more about it today. Um, so let's, let's talk about the freedom to work less. Talk about the freedom to work less and grow your impact and your audience and your readers, whatever that is, whatever those things are that you want to do. And in the process of that, find yourself financial stability as an author, as a creative, as a speaker, as a healer, as a teacher, coach, all of those things. When you're helping people deal with the stuff based on your zone of genius, where you work best, the things that you know, etc. So let's talk about working less. And 30% um, of your grade, that's correct, yes. He'll take the C. <laughs> Scott says he'll take the C because he doesn't want to show up to class. <sighs> Scott, Scott, Scott. Supposed to be modeling, Scott. What if young people see this? <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. Nobody under 40, actually I shouldn't say that. Nobody under 30 has seen anything I do, which is okay. So let's talk now about not trying to please everyone. So... Back in the day, right, when all of us, I'll just talk about me, back in the day, 85, 86, 87, early 90s, when I was running a organization that used the arts to impart uh, values and impart uh, wisdom and entertainment and all of that, uh, I, back in those days, without any internet, right, in those days, you were like, please, 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 I'm going to throw everything I can at the wall and hope that it sticks. And I'm going to throw it at every single wall out there and hope that it all sticks and that somebody responds. And the walls were very, very small. The walls were very small. Some of you have heard me talk about this. Some of this is going to echo and repeat a little bit for some of you. And for some of you, this is new. The walls were very small. 
So I had, you know, 200, 400, 600 people on, on a mailing list. And I mean a mailing list in an envelope, stamp on it, you know, an imprint after a while, but had to be physically mailed to people and thought it was the thing, man, when I had, you know, 600 people on a mailing list, 400 people on a mailing list. Thought those were huge numbers. And in those days, for those of us who have gone back a while in trying to use arts and creativity, uh, public speaking, storytelling, uh, writing, all of that, those days you wanted everybody's attention because you couldn't control whose attention you got. We didn't have the, the, the micro granular level of control that we have now about speaking to very specific groups of people. We didn't have that back then. I could guess that an ex office, some type of office might want some information about this, but I was really casting into the wind, throwing stuff against the wall to see who would stick. But now we have a much more granular way of looking at our audiences. And I just want to talk about scope for just a moment. And I don't mean the breath mint. I mean, I want to talk about something on a whiteboard. Yes, that's right. We're going to do whiteboard today. So let's talk about the numbers of people that are available to you, the creative artist, the creative soul, the person who wants to help other people achieve goals, the person who wants to use their zone of genius. Just talking the U.S. right now, and I know that I have audiences all over the world. I understand that. Um, there, How many people are on are on Facebook. Oh wait, I still have to put more zeros in. I'll be right with you. The estimate right now says that there are approximately 190 million distinct accounts on Facebook. 190 million. Excuse me, there we go. You can ignore 99% of them, and actually more than that, and not worry about it. So from the book I referenced at the beginning, Anything You Want by Derek Sievers. I'm going to learn to figure out his name. If somebody actually knows, tell me. Why don't I not know this guy's name? <clears throat> All right. He says in this chapter, proudly exclude people. Hello, Phyllis. I see that you're here. Thank you. He says, you know, you can't please everyone, right? But notice that most businesses are trying to be everything to everybody, and they wonder why they can't get people's attention. Skipping, skipping, skipping a great little story that he has in there, which I'll save for you to read for yourself. He says, it's a big world. You can loudly leave out 99% of it. Have the confidence to know that when you target when your target 1% hears you excluding the other 99%, the people in that 1% will come to you because you've shown how much you value them. Have the confidence to know that when your target 1% sees that you're not worried about the 99%, the people in that 1% come to you because you've shown how much you value them. I can't emphasize enough. And those of you who are in the cohort know that I harp on this. And if you were in the cohort, you would be able to talk about your group and get your focus on. 
you don't have to talk to everybody anymore. We used to have to do that because out of the 190 million people, if you get 1% of that, I like doing that, okay? Oh, more zeros, Sean. That's 19 million people. If you ignore, if you intentionally decide that I, in my zone of genius, am not going to speak to men and cut out all of that. And you say, I'm not going to speak, my product is not for men under 30. And you cut all of that out. And you say, my product is not for men under 30 who aren't parents. And you cut all of that out. When the more granular you get and the more focused you get and the more you can say, my work is for whatever group. I know I got that, that description wrong. But let's say that your, your thing is for fathers over 30. And how microscopic granular you can get. You can even get even more specific. You can say, you can say, I really want to focus on men over 30 who are fathers and who make more than $50,000 a year. The ability for you to say, I really want to focus on this group of people frees you and your time from trying to be everything to everyone all the time. If your focus is on men who are fathers over 30, then you don't have to worry about making content for anyone else. And you start to free your time because you are focused. You start to say, this is who I am, this is who I am, and this is what I'm about. 1% of that. I, you know, we could, we could keep playing this game because if you said, look, I'm not even worried about, about 1%, I'm gonna be concerned about, um, What's half of 19,000? Uh, is that, uh, that 950, 900, half of 19 million? Is that, half of that is, no, I still got my numbers wrong. How much we can drop that number down because suddenly my brain went somewhere else because if I wanted to do statistics, I'd be in Scott Strassel's classes. How much we can get focused on this. So here's what happens as creatives. We start to think we're supposed to be talking to everybody all the time. And so we don't do what needs to be done. And in that panic about trying to serve everyone all the time, we refuse to get organized. We refuse to get our schedules under order because we think we're supposed to be talking to all these people. And if I focus and only concentrate on these things that reach that audience, I might have free time to myself. And many of us as creatives and authors and as presenters, we take great pride in wearing that little badge that says, you're busy, I'm busy. I did that for a long time. And it was only in the last year and a half when I started to say, whew, I have to stop that. It left me with a chronic illness, trying to be busy all the time and be under constant stress all the time. When you start to say, this is my audience, this is who I serve, I've served women over 50 who are starting a second or even first career and who want to do that in nursing and healthcare. You don't have to worry about 190 million people. You have to bring your audience down to 10,000 or 25,000. 
And so now you're not creating stuff all the time and staying constantly busy. If you're an author, you don't throw your book at every breathing human being. You don't go to every vendor show because it's a vendor show and you better be there with your book. Because you look at that show and you go, that's not my audience. Because your audience, you can reach through social media. Your audience is waiting for you through social media. And whether you love social media or not, doesn't matter. Business doesn't care about feelings. You can go and talk to your group, people who do care about your feelings. You talk to your group about your stuff and you start to free your schedule because you're not writing everything to everyone all the time. How do you get to that point? You do that through planning. You plan tomorrow, today. It's the first part of the month. Do you know what you're doing between now and August 30th? Have you planned out your, your month? Do you know what your focus is for the month? Do you know what this is about? Do you know how many social media posts you want to get a month? Do you know how many new clients you want to bring on? Our goal is two. Two. Our goal is two new clients into the full cohort. I'm not searching for 25 people this month because we can't service those people. I'm looking for two of you, two of you to join the cohort, an already established group. And so my focus is all about how do I get to the point where two people join us in the cohort in August? How do I do that? And that's what my focus is. My focus isn't about how do I recruit 100,000 people? How do I speak in, front of, speak in front of huge groups? How do I get to those one, those two people that I want? How many social media posts do I need to do? Do I need to run ads to reach those people? Do I need to develop a new program? Yes, I do. Because I know where the hole is in our programming and development. I know where that is. And so my focus for the month of August is one program, is one very specific program, the social media shakeup, which will happen the third week in August. Because my goals for August are very clear. And so each, if, if I plan my month and go, this is where I'm going, and then I break down my weeks, which then I break down into my days, if by noon on Friday, I've done all the stuff that I scheduled for that week, I'm done. I, with great pleasure, turn off the computer and don't have to do anything. So I'm saying to you, plan, know where you're going, quit trying to serve everyone, don't worry about the 99% doesn't mean you, you throw them away with disdain. No, they're not your people. If you're concentrating on women over 50 who are starting their first time career, then everybody else doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about whether your social media attracts the attention of millennials, 40 year old millennials, because they're not your people, right? You don't have to worry about, about that. If you're trying to write mystery novels, then you don't need to worry about families with small children. You're not focusing on trying to get families with small children to attend your events. You're focusing on the very specific people who read mystery novels, of which, of course, you've done your research, right? So you will know. Okay. All right. I'm talking a lot. Tamara. It looks like Tamara is here. Uh, and uh, Scott is here, so he does get the grade. Congratulations. All right. Glad you're here. So that's, uh, that's a chunk of my rant for today. So reminding you that you don't have to worry about 
190 million people. You can think about maybe there's 19 million people to worry about. And of that, you need a fraction of that. Of the 1% of the 190 million people, you need a fraction of that to make a living. You need a fraction of that. I'd like 1% of 19 million people to buy books we put out. Your success, you're working too hard. You're working too hard because you're not focusing. You're not focusing. Now, I know there are other coaches who will say to you, oh, let me hold your hand and talk about how you feel. This is hard. I know that. But I'm saying to you, your impact, your ability to change the world with your zone of genius is about you having discipline and focus, which is something we go, oh, I'm an author, I'm a creative, I'm an artist, I can't be disciplined. The hell you can't. The hell you can't. You start each day by looking back at the plan you made the night before, and you knock out the very first things. Now, I, if, you've got a, if you've got a job that you go to nine to five, that's fine. Your day as a creative starts at six o'clock. Oh, I'm tired. I work so hard during the day. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And, and build your business. Build your business so you can be free of that nine to five if that is what you choose by serving other people and having the discipline to say, this is the thing I'm going to get done today. By having the discipline to say, I'm going to get coached on what I don't know. By having the discipline to say, I will finish my work and be done with it. By having the discipline to say, I'm not worried about women under 50 because my focus is women over 50. Have the discipline. Have the discipline to say, this is what I don't know. This is where I need to learn. Have the discipline to say, this is what I know and this is what I will do. Okay? Coaching creatives, artists, storytellers for decades. And the excuse, well, I'm just, I'm just a creative soul. I love you folks. I truly do. My fellow artists, I truly do. But you are creating excuses for yourself because you like pain. I know that's not some, I know my coaching thing is not for everybody. I get that because some people want a coach to embrace them and go, oh, your pain. Oh, let's talk about your constant pain as an artist and how no one understands you. Brothers and sisters, folks, create and have an impact. You can do it. Yes, you can. All right. I'm really, I'm, you know, there's certain things that I get moving on that I could just, I can yap with you for the next hour about this. So what are you thinking? What's on your thoughts? What's on your questions? What's on your mind? Put that in the box. Get it in there. Let's talk. Let me see what's happening in the chat box. Oh yeah. Okay. Two really good inputs coming in here. So let's start with the first one here. Scott, Scott says, how do you turn off the voice that says whatever I set out to do is not enough? Well, sounds like a parenting issue. Sounds like tapes. There's a 1970s reference. Sounds like tapes and voices in your head that you're still allowing to play over and over and over again. You're still letting somebody else from your past tell you that you are not enough. You're still letting that happen. 
you're still letting, uh, for me, you know, I have family members that told me constantly I wasn't enough, that I wasn't doing enough, that no matter what I succeeded at, some of these family members would say to me, that's still not enough. That when I would say this great thing happened, this, this excellent new job, this new thing came along, their answer was, well, I guess so. Those are voices in your head that play in the back. So how do you deal with those voices? You turn around and you tell them to jump off a bridge. That's what you tell them, Scott. That's what you tell them. Oh, it's not that easy. Yes, it is. When you decide to do something, that's when it starts to change. Tony Robbins said something once, and I'm not a huge Tony Robbins fan, although Tony Robbins is huge, right? He once said something about we, we, don't, we don't try to quit smoking. We quit smoking. There is a point where we say, I'm done. There's a point when we say all these voices that tell you you should need to work 60, 80 hours a week because you're a good boy, because you're a good girl, because you're a good person, you're a good student, because you're suffering and dying. Hell, haven't we seen that in the Olympics this week? Are we finally seeing athletes say, screw this? Are we finally seeing women athletes in particular? Saying, I don't have to die. I don't have to be this month's sacrifice virgin du jour on the, on, the, on, the, on the vaults or in the swimming world. I don't have to be the maiden we throw into the volcano as a society. Scott, don't be a maiden that gets thrown into a volcano. Um... Mark says, back in the day, I was unfortunately involved in an MLM, uh, multi-level marketing. It was a numbers game. It was even soliciting to people on the ski. We're prospecting, right, Mark? We called that prospecting. Uh, it was exhausting. Yeah, there was something about the six-foot rule back in multi-level marketing that everyone within six feet of you gets prospected. Ugh. But even that you don't have to do anymore because the Internet allows you to talk to 190 million people, and that's just the United States alone. Uh, I hear you, Mark. It's a habit to break. And then I started, I started to see people in ML, MLM myself. I started to see everyone as, as a checkbook that I could make withdrawals from. I didn't see people anymore. I saw, I saw people to fill in my circles. Blech. Um, Nancy says, taking an in-person improv class. Good for you, Nancy. Damn. I'm taking an in-person improv class to improve my public speaking skills. If I'm not here next Monday, that's probably why. Nancy, right on. Right on. Deborah says, I've had to learn to light a fire under my butt every day for the last 40 years. Deborah, I hear you. I understand that. Um, how about instead of lighting a fire under yourself, you place a pillow under yourself? Because you've done your planning and you've done your work. And you're, you're not running constantly. You're not looking for uh, other artists to give you approval. And so every day you don't land under a fire. You land on a pillow that says, I have done what I needed to do today. I keep waiting for people to give me prizes for being busy. And they didn't. The only thing I got was more pain. I got uh, lit fires under my butt and got burned. 
Deborah, I understand that because you produce a lot of really good stuff. I get that. Give yourself a place to land. Scott, welcome to academia. Well, what a what a what a shithole to be involved in. There's a lot of really good things about the academic world, and there's also a lot of garbage that goes on in the academic world. Uh, Tamara says, um, Tamara says, I need a little clarification on last week's message. We need to connect with our audience online to reach our audience, but we need to do in-person events to create love for us and our work, right? No, you don't. You do in-person events where people cannot wait to see you. You do in-person events because they serve your community. For the Small Tooth Dog to go to the Tucson Festival of Books, there may be opportunities there for people to to see us for the first time and become, you know, raving fans of what we do. But for the most part, I consider events like that community service. Um, how, so you go on to say, last week you mentioned we shouldn't do small events. If the event is 100% my customer, how small is too small? How small is too small if the event is 100% your customer? Zero. Zero is the answer. Because if you, if you know what you're doing is like a meetup with people who are 100, this is hard to find this audience, by the way. If you're doing a meetup where 100% of the audience is your audience for whatever your audience is, I know you and I are still talking through some of that, huh? I really, I re, you know, I, it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. We always have to keep working on. I, I really, I understand them. How small is too small? Nothing's too small. You know, um, even the smallest book fair, if it is an audience full of buying people, may be worth it depending how much it costs you to go there. Losing money, losing money is rarely a good choice unless you've chosen that to be your charity. Uh, we will probably lose money doing Tucson Festival of Books in March, even assuming it's going to go on anymore. Uh, we'll probably lose money, but that is an intentional choice. It's an intentional choice. Um, many artists and creatives and authors will take scraps and be grateful for scraps. Stop doing that. Stop being grateful for scraps. Start creating an audience that really wants you. You know, there's people that want to see you live. There's people that want to hear you do readings. There's people that want to, that want to attend classes and things like that. How small is too small? If it's, if it's the wrong audience, a hundred people, a thousand people is, is, is not the right size. If it's your audience, okay. If we do Comic-Con, a Comic-Con or a Comic Fest or something like that, uh, I'm working on a brand through Small Tooth Dog, and it's kind of on the back burner at the moment, but a brand that's specifically for the right audience. Like, I don't bring business books to a family event, and I bring almost no children's books to a, fam to a business event. Uh, Scott, because you want... Scott says, why academia... Uh, because you want that grant, you want to get promoted, you want to get tenure. Wow. Why do you want all that? For the pay? Or is it ego? And I know you're not, you personally are not saying that, but I'm saying in general, we have to look at a lot of the stuff that happens in academia, a lot of stuff that happens in religions, a lot of things that happens in, uh, in government service. A lot of that stuff is about ego is about serving ego. And I'm okay if not everyone knows my name. 
I'm okay if not everyone knows my books, um, but if my books have served the right people, then that's the success thing. And that is a different model than coming out of academia. That's a different model than coming out of government work where all of that stuff is about ego and promotion and power, right? So where are you going to find your power? Where do you want to find your power? Do you want to wait in academia until somebody gives you permission to have power? Or do you want to say, I have a zone of genius and I'm going to serve and create an audience that desperately needs you? These are great, great questions and thoughts tonight. Thank you. Let me see what else we got here. What would Glenn Glary, what would Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross look like in an internet age? It wouldn't, it wouldn't look like anything because that's not a value. Always be selling, not a value. It was once because everybody who crossed your path was the people you didn't know which of those people were now. Now you can go and if you want to be selling high level homes, then you can reach those audiences first and get their attention and then get them in there so that the people who show up at whatever it is that you're selling, your used car lot, uh, your hot dog stand, whatever, when they show up, you know, they're, they're looking for you. The key to, to, to sales is always you want to be in front of a hungry audience. You want, you want to have hot dogs in front of a hungry audience. That's exhausting to me. That's exhausting to me. But I don't think a lot of the world works that way anymore. I had a conversation with a guy today who's doing really old school beat your competition um, kind of stuff uh, in one of the groups that I'm supporting and trying to work in. And his really old school, you know, crush your competition. No, thank you. I don't need to crush my competition because there's 190 million people on Facebook right now. Boy, wouldn't that be cool if I could talk to 100,000 of them? <laughs> I can. So can you. And I don't care what competition does. I don't care what other people teach authors. I don't care. I know what we teach. I know that we teach. We teach mindset for authors. We teach mindset for creativity. We help people think about the work that they're doing. We help people think about service work first. And from that comes the financial stability. We help them think about that. And the way I do it is kind of tough love sometime. I know that. That's not for everybody. That's okay. I don't need 190 million people to think that I am the fuzziest coach on the planet. I love the people I coach. I love them to death. All right. Um... Phyllis says, watching you, me, struggle with numbers is so encouraging to me. You keep pressing through. Yeah. <laughs> the best the best math course I ever took on... Why is my phone ringing? Oh, DoorDash is here. All right. Well, my Walmart order is here, in case you wanted to know that. Um, yeah, the best class I ever took on mathematics was at Prescott College, and it was all about what the number three means to the world. It's the best math course I ever took. <laughs> uh, Phyllis, to the point, uh, Scott says, preach. Uh, uh, Deborah says, thanks. I've always been able to juggle several things at once. Yeah, I get that, Deborah. I, I do get that. I do get that. And somehow you and I as creatives, as driven, driven creatives, um, we keep exhausting ourselves because of that. And, and we keep focusing on 100 things instead of one thing. So we keep putting, we keep spreading out our energy. We keep spreading ourselves thin, hoping that something sticks. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not trying to reach every storyteller on the planet. I'm not trying to reach every author on the planet. Um, I'm just not doing that anymore. You know, 
Uh, I'm perfectly happy that, that the groups that I have are growing slowly. I'm okay with that. It's not about the money, right? That comes from that, okay? That's right, that comes from that, right? If you wanna be in our cohort, cost money, okay? But that's not the first drive. I, I, Deborah, I get it. I think part of the limitation is, is in this format is for you and I can't dialogue like this. So I, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you and I'm also saying something else. Um, Scott says, yes, um, yeah, I, I, must, I must do this or I, must, or I will lose my job. People are quitting their jobs in unbelievable amounts right now because the pandemic shook them up and said, really, you're gonna die for this? You're gonna die for these other people to give you pennies, okay? Um, Nancy says that you're the fuzziest coach. You know what, what's about that is when I'm dealing with one person one-on-one, -on -one, I tend to, and this comes from years of counseling experience, I tend to, when I'm coaching someone, try to find the points of entry with them so that if I'm working with somebody who's just, and I have clients like this who are just like, give me the answer. Okay, here's what I think. And I have a, I have a coaching program that's 15-minute coaching. It's a year's worth of 15 minutes of coaching anytime you want it in a year. It's 1200 bucks. You set up an appointment. We have a 15 minute thing. The timer is literally running. And in that 15 minutes, that's where the coaching happens. There's no conversation about your kids or the weather or anything. It's 15 minutes. You want to see it? It's that precise 15. Precise, P-R-E-C-I-S-E, 15.com. And every time you make an appointment with me for 15 minutes, you get 15 minutes of coaching. And that type of coaching is very, right? But for other people, I can say to them, push, 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 but then I know that it's like, okay, wait, breathe. Okay, let's breathe. Where are you succeeding? Where are you struggling? Where can we move forward? Thank you for that. Uh, Scott, three is a magic number. Yeah, Deborah, yes, that thinness does happen. Yeah, I know that you know that, Deborah. You, this is not your first rodeo. You, you, people like you and I who have really been at this particular form of art for a long time, yeah. I hear you. Very good. Well, this is what a terrific night. Um, thank you for everything. So a couple of things. If you've got anything else, put it in the box before we go. If you are new to this or you're watching this, we have new members in the group. Welcome. Glad you are here. Um, if you are new to this and you want a text reminder, 623-561-5155, 623-561-5155, text the word hello to 623-561-5155 and you'll get a reminder usually about 10 minutes uh, 10 minutes outside of when the thing happens. Just as a reminder that we happen on Mondays. The book that I refer to this week is Anything You Want by Derek S-I-V-E-R-S. Anything You Want. Easy, easy read. Make it, your, make it your August book to read. Simple, easy. If you really wanted to read it in an hour, you could read this book in an hour. And that's if reading is hard for you. It's a great, great... Stuff's going to make you stop and go close the book and go, okay, what? What did I just read? <laughs> what does this mean? Anyway, terrific. Um, please invite other people to our Monday nights that we're here. Invite them to the group. Invite them to participate and to be a part of that. I know we get a lot of people on replay. That's really cool. Uh, if you are ready for the cohort, if you're ready for the next big level and to join our small community that meets every single week live on video so we can talk back and forth and we can connect, um, I do have space for that. You know my goal is two people this month. 
not 25, not 100, not everybody, not everyone who's in six feet of me, but two people, two people who are really ready for the next step in their creative careers to make a difference. And over the next 15 months, which are back, probably turn into 18 months, in the next year and a half, to build a consistent business that they can do over and over and over again so that they are working in their zone of genius and so that they have peace and they have impact. That's what we're doing here. I want you to come in. I want you to get past your fear. You get past your fear about investing in yourself. You can do this. All right, what do we got here? Nancy says, great session. Thank you. Um, uh, Deborah says, thank you. Mark says, good stuff. Okay, my friends, what a, what a fabulous, fabulous set of questions from you tonight. Um, man, plan your day, get in charge, get in charge of this so that you have some, so that you have true freedom, real freedom, you know? All right. You've been great. Talk to you next Monday. Get the book if you can. If you got something to say, put it in the small, put it in the ash tree, ash, the ash tea group, the public group. Let's talk. All right. I'm going to see y'all later. Bye. You've been listening to the podcast from the Small Tooth Dog Publishing Group. Copyright. All rights reserved. Visit smalltoothdog.com for more information.